This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. Really sophisticated, really advanced digital avatars for people to analyse their health. People actually will be able in real time or close to real time to understand what is beneficial for their health and for their actual longevity. Hello again and welcome to Llama, the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science, tell the stories and meet some of the field's most influential characters, experts from around the world, all with the common goal of helping us live longer, healthier lives. My guest today, well, ticks just about all of those boxes. Dmitry Kaminsky is an entrepreneur, investor, author. His particular area of interest lies in the intersection of artificial intelligence and longevity, which is the subject of his latest book, Biomarkers of Longevity. He is also a co-founder of the UK All-Party Parliamentary Group for Longevity, which I think is particularly interesting, reflecting as it does the surge in interest in longevity and why it should be on the political agenda. Dimitri, welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. Hello, Peter. Hello, everybody. Uh, great pleasure to be here today with you. Good to talk to you too. And I'm aware that I've touched on only a few of your roles in the longevity space. You're a very busy man. I'd like to really start by going back to the beginning for you. What is your background and what fueled your fascination with longevity? Initially, I was in IT software business. Personally, in 2013, I met uh, several scientists. I also met several transhumanists, and they were speaking about radical life extension. But for me, it was, you know, something too much uh, sci-fi, maybe futuristic, not realistic, not close to practice. Uh, however, after meeting with several scientists, I actually realized that uh, the science of actual, you know, aging research and uh, actual life extension might be much more closer to reality than it is, uh, was shown, let's say, in uh, sci-fi movies. And uh, after, uh, after, you know, I attended several scientific conferences, uh, when I started actually to understand more and more uh, what doesn't mean uh, this aging research. Uh, so eventually I re- realized that it might be more the issue of uh, administrating and engineering this uh, challenge rather than just scientific uh, part, because uh, the bre- breakthroughs in uh, science, uh, you know, something around 2014 for me became clear that breakthroughs in science will come uh, to the life uh, on the question when. So it was, you know, just a question, will it happen in three years, in five years, in 10 years? And uh, by the time many people were uh, even, you know, real activists and optimists of aging research, they were um, uh, predicting that uh, even the basic, even initial results in uh, aging research, in the best case scenario, will come in, uh, into life in 10 years. That uh, by the time that was, uh, you know, expected to happen no earlier than in 2025. As you can see, in reality, a lot of uh, actual, uh, you know, breakthroughs, actual innovations, actual, even some practical applications, they already started to happen around 2017, 
18, around 2019, a lot of, you know, uh, this longevity agenda and even longevity industry became to be like actual life on many, many angles, including uh, investors, financiers, uh, scientists, of course, entrepreneurs, and even politicians. Whereas uh, I would say that uh, 2020, and especially 2021, it's actually became the years of uh, real, like multiple activities or multiple fronts. Uh, and first of all, general public and media started to accept this idea as uh, something normal, something, you know, tangible. Uh, whereas, for example, when I was starting to be in the field uh, back in 2013-14, uh, in those times, this idea was yet a little bit fringe, a little bit, you know, out of major trend. Yeah, so this this is, let's say, this is my story. And that's fascinating you should frame it like that, because I, I often wonder whether those in the, the longevity space, if we can call it that, that focus mostly on the the immortal side of uh, the science, uh, the possibility of, of living forever, w- which you've touched on. Does that pursuit of uh, life that doesn't end, does that pursuit of that ideal or that idea in some ways perhaps harm the motivations and the science of, of those who are more focused on just a, a good health span and getting to the age of 80, 90 or 100 and living well and then dying? In other words, uh, perhaps you could say a more realistic framework. Yeah, this is a, indeed uh, quite a big question and quite a big challenge and issue for entire, uh, you know, global longevity industry. And uh, because uh, in my first book, Longevity Industry 1.0, defining the biggest and most complex industry. The biggest issue was indeed with this defining. What does it mean, longevity industry? What uh, components it actually takes in? Because uh, if we'll speak with people, let's say, in Silicon Valley, they will speak about uh, radical life extension, uh, hacking, aging, uh, you know, immortal lives, maybe mind uploading, and so on and so forth. So it's like, you know, uh, this angle. If you'll speak... Uh, with people, let's say, in Zurich, in Switzerland. You know, it's uh, financiers, bankers, and uh, healthcare insurance, uh, big healthcare insurance companies. So they will say that they are actual longevity, like they are the most powerful people in the longevity industry because healthcare insurance, big healthcare insurance companies, this is the longevity industry. You know, if we'll speak with um, doctors or wellness uh, coaches, they will say that they are actual longevity, you know, kind of practitioners, and they are uh, the actual people who are delivering actual longevity, maybe not radical, but very tangible. So this is quite complex, but nevertheless, I would say that some of the more, let's say, more kind of committed science that will work on something more significant, like actual reverse of aging, what could be considered as uh, more radical applications. It uh, probably will be related with, uh, you know, advanced steam cells uh, technology with advanced uh, gene therapies for actual, you know, hack agent and uh, reverse it. But uh, there are already now on the market a lot of technologies which are not so much uh, radical, but nevertheless, they are providing very, very tangible results which are measurable and you can measure them with biomarkers of aging. And uh, these technologies uh, can really and in actually very practical way to extend healthy period of life for, let's say, for 10 years. Uh, within these 10 years, uh, within the next 10 years, uh, there will be so many new technologies, so many breakthroughs in science. For now, it makes sense, especially for investors, financiers, you know, 
practitioners in a sense like entrepreneurs to a little bit more focus on uh, what is already market ready now and uh, you can have access already now to use it already now in you know pragmatic tangible way to extend your healthy period of life for at least additional 10 years with that uh, it is uh, uh, very clear that uh, in five to ten years from now uh, we'll have access to much more advanced technologies which will be able you know already by that time most likely at least uh, not even slow down aging but I would say freeze aging and uh, maybe in 15 years from now they will be able already to reverse aging. Well that's what I would like to delve into with you and, and talk a little bit more about the biomarkers of longevity. Let's just go off at a little tangent at the moment. Uh, we obviously note your accent. I'm, I'm curious about where you were born, where you were brought up, what kind of childhood you had, and, and whether the aging process made a, a mark on you early in your life. Uh, so I was born in Moldova. It's a very small country in Eastern Europe. Uh, last five years I'm living in, in London. In regards to aging process, I think there's one uh, very interesting example. Again, in, back in 2015, uh, when the idea of actual life extension was yet a little bit uh, let's say, unusual or out of the major trend. Uh, so I announced prize. It actually will be a birthday gift for the first person who will celebrate uh, his or hers 123rd birthday. Because the previous life record belongs to Jean Calment, who died at the age of 122 years and six months. And it was back in uh, 1997. So you can imagine that... Uh, no, since the time, during the last 24 years, the breakthroughs in biomedicine uh, were quite significant. Uh, apparently, Jean, Jean herself has very significant predispos- genetic predisposition for extra long living. But the point is that if she would live now, in nowadays, apparently the biomedicine will be capable to extend her life at least for another six months, most likely for another several years. So my point is that in nowadays, for people who are let's say, comparatively, let's say for people, middle-aged people who are comparatively young, comparatively healthier, uh, with already currently existing technology, they should expect to live at least for, they should plan to live at least for 100 years. If they are reasonable people, if they really uh, will be committed to living longer, uh, they should understand that this is doable to live uh, up to 123 years. So my plan to celebrate at least uh, my personal 123rd birthday. The normal life expectancy uh, now should be considered at least as 100 uh, years. By the way, there is the uh, biggest Swiss bank, UBS, uh, one of the biggest private wealth banks in the world. So they made survey uh, two years ago among their clients uh, with the question whether their clients are expecting or planning to live up to 100 years. And, uh, you know, in different uh, countries, the clients answered a little bit different. But the point is that uh, in most of the cases, a majority of their clients actually answered that they are planning to live up to 100 years. And uh, they are now designing new financial products with, ex- with extra maturity timeline. In the sense that uh, those financial products are uh, designed for the people who are planning to live very long life. Because, uh, you know, if you are going to live up to 100 years, so f- more of it, f- uh, up to 120, 123 years. So you need to plan your financial longevity also, according to your, you know, actual uh, like health longevity. And uh, 
to plan your financial wellness uh, accordingly. And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. So when you offered a million dollars to the first person who reaches 123, what was your main motivation to do that? Clearly, it attracted a lot of attention. The idea, the concept went viral immediately. Was it to, more broadly speaking, draw attention to longevity as an issue and perhaps the importance of investing in longevity? Yes, exactly, because uh, people should be aware that, you know, uh, there were a lot of people who, super sanitarists, who actually lived uh, beyond 100 years. Uh, there are several hundreds of people who, who lived uh, beyond 110 years. And there was at least one person who lived uh, 122 years and six months. So this is not sci-fi. This is real. There are a lot of studies, uh, you know, trying to understand what is actually the underlying cause of that extra long living. We also supported the uh, work of uh, Gerontology Research Group, which actually validating the all uh, super centenarians and uh, aging Alliance agency made special report on that case. Uh, they profiled super centenarians who lived the, the longest lives and also who are now alive and also among them who are 20 the most socially or physically active. Just to inject perhaps a little bit of modern day uh, reality into this conversation. It was recently revealed just in the last the last few weeks that the average lifespan of Americans has actually dropped by two years. And the COVID pandemic is being blamed for that. I mean, a, dr- a dramatic impact on the, the life expectancy of Americans coming down from about 79, 80 to more like uh, 76, 77 for the average person. Now, do you think that is going to be a, a short term blip or do you think it'll be a, a longer term effect? You know, particularly United States is uh, quite complex, I would say, region, because uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, fluctuations, including a, a lot of immigrants. And uh, a lot of, you know, other issues uh, related to some very significant disproportions in society and incomes, you know, in access to uh, high quality healthcare. So that's why, uh, you know, if we are talking about the United States, United States in general. However, it's much more uh, doable to speak about particular, you know, towns or regions or districts. For example, you know, if we speak about uh, Miami or New York or Los Angeles it will be more doable to, to provide some forecasting. On the other hand, you know, if we are speaking about such particular cities or countries as Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan, you know, forecasting is uh, much more, could be much more tangible. F- Hong Kong currently is uh, the town uh, with, town, city, with uh, highest life, life expectancy. Singapore is the best uh, uh, country, dash city in the world, smart city with highest health expectancy, which is probably more important uh, for this particular conversation because uh, we shall talk probably not about, you know, uh, like actual life extension, but uh, actual health life extension, which is, you know, uh, much more, let's say, beneficial. Japan uh, 
know their average life expectancy and health life, life expectancy is quite significant. And I would say, you know, that uh, this is, uh, in their case, it is very predictable, very forecastable. So those statistics, you know, it uh, could be uh, considered for much longer term compared with uh, some other uh, regions where there's too many, uh, you know, uh, components in the equation. I just want to go back to a, a phrase that you used a, a few moments ago. You talked about freezing aging. You hear a lot about reversing aging uh, uh, as a process. But freezing aging, do you mean putting aging on pause and uh, just kind of getting to a certain age and, and not physically getting much older? What do you mean by freezing? Yes, exactly. This is exactly uh, means how it sounds. And uh, here uh, we shall again... Uh, you know, probably discuss and consider what does it mean biomarkers of aging and longevity. That was going to be my next question. What what you consider the key biomarkers of aging? So, in any industry, in any no, not even biomedical industry, metrics how measure anything. You know, KPI results. Uh, this is crucial. Without metrics, uh, there could be no no anything tangible. Uh, anything could be very too much abstract, too much artificial. Particular, for example, in biotech, in biomedical industries, uh, the sectors which were capable to establish very precise, very clear, very sophisticated, robust panels of biomarkers, they actually succeeded uh, and they thrived, even the most complex. Uh, one uh, very, very clear example is oncology. So uh, uh, 10 years ago, you know, cancer in most cases was considered something like close to death sentence. However, you know, the biomarkers of uh, oncology, of uh, cancer biomarkers, they were developed very well. And th that was, you know, one of the major leverages, one of the major enablers why a lot of scientists, a lot of, uh, you know, actual doctors uh, were capable, you know, to provide some actual solutions and breakthroughs in cancer research. Because it was uh, comparatively clear how to measure this, the success uh, you know, a lot of investors, a lot of financiers, they actually were encouraged to invest in this field because they they felt that it is completely clear uh, strategy and they can, uh, uh, you know, they can apply quite uh, tangible and um, sophisticated due diligence process and de-risk their investments. And this, uh, this term de-risk, this is very uh, extremely crucial because for longevity industry, <laughs> There's a lot of hype, unfortunately. A lot of, you know, uh, people or even scientists, they are claiming too much positive expectations. And uh, in, in many cases, this is tied to uh, actual positive results in extension of uh, so life of so-called model organisms, in particular uh, mice, like uh, experiments of, on uh, mice. Uh, there's a lot of companies, a lot of uh, laboratories, a lot of experiments which actually extended life of mice quite significantly. But... Unfortunately, translation from mice to humans, in, in our opinion, it will be quite complicated and there will be a lot of issues. Nevertheless, uh, there is the solution. The solution is uh, a little bit refocus attention towards development of sophisticated, robust uh, biomarkers of aging and longevity, the metrics which will be capable to measure whether any intervention, any food supplement, any drug, any, you know, like physical exercise, whether they are providing positive results, maybe they are providing zero results. Many of them actually 
actually they can provide even negative results. Just one little aside there. So I guess working in the the investment side of of longevity, you must have to have quite a high bar in terms of what is real, what is credible science, what is realistic in terms of extending health span. And of course, a credible scientist wouldn't exaggerate the results of an experiment or the conclusions that perhaps they were hoping to get from an experiment when perhaps a study involving mice doesn't actually match the expectations. But I guess with the financial situation being as it is in terms of funding clinical trials, money is often hard to get by for this kind of very long-term science. You must have to really scrutinise a project to ensure that it's credible. Well, you know, uh, in the United States, uh, there's a quite unique situation when uh, there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, uh, startups, they can get quite easily a lot of financing once they are showing to investors, venture investors, results that they were capable to extend uh, life of mice. In our case, in, in our consortium, Deep Knowledge Group, we have specifically dedicated investment fund, uh, Longevity.Capital. So apparently, uh, you know, we're investing through that fund into longevity industry. Uh, for the companies who are uh, coming to us, uh, there's very simple, there are two questions which we're asking. First, whether the founder uh, believe in his technology, his or her, in their technology? Of course, all, everybody of them are, are answering, we believe. And then we're asking uh, whether you already applied on your own body the technology. In most cases, uh, this uh, question sounds, you know, very unusual. However, it should be very usual, you know. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, yet it's like quite unusual in longevity industry. And uh, most of them are answering, not we are yet in kind of we are yet experimenting on uh, some model organism or whatever. So this is uh, for us. Uh, that means that uh, we will be not interested in such project. The second, uh, after that, if if the person will say that. Yes, we are already testing it in ourselves. Then the, the, the next question will be uh, whether they will be happy to test it on my own body. I am the general partner of the fund. So the major test should be they shall test uh, that technology on me and we will uh, monitor it with uh, biomarkers of longevity on my own body. And uh, those biomarkers uh, should uh, you know provide some evidence on my own body. That will be the, the major, you know, the best possible due diligence test. But uh, of course, uh, you know, we are not talking about like crazy fringe experiments. So we are very, you know, kind of <clears throat> practical, very pragmatic guys. So we do know how to make what at all is uh, potentially safe. So this uh, first. The second, how to, to make experiments in uh, so-called macro dosages. And the third, uh, how to detect and, you know, in a very precise way uh, to analyze them. So this is, uh, this is, uh, the right approach and um, a lot of ideas how such, you know, experiments could be conducted in a comparatively safe uh, way are coming actually from space medicine, you know, from uh, uh, doctors who are actually protecting health uh, uh, of astronauts. And then, you know, once uh, astronauts are coming back from space, uh, they are restoring their health because uh, space providing a lot of negative impact on the body, on the immune system. And uh, there's a lot of uh, evidence that aging in space is accelerated. So there is a lot of uh, intersection between space medicine and actual aging research. Especially this is um, 
when it's applied to mitochondrial research because mitochondria they are damaging very significant space but mitochondrial dysfunction this is again one of the most this is one of the major root causes of actual aging. Well, we've covered mitochondrial science uh, a lot and its impact on aging, its impact on, on muscular strength, uh, being the energy source of every single cell in our body. So we've covered that a lot over the last few months on this podcast. I'm curious, when you, when you look ahead, and you've already indicated that you think the next decade is going to be a very exciting time in terms of new developments for longevity. What kind of uh, biomarkers do you think we should be, or which biomarkers should we be looking out for over the next few years where we will see those significant developments? And maybe even start with a, your de definition of, of biomarkers, those uh, bodily functions that are, are so significant to our overall health. Uh, so I'm publishing my new book, Longevity Biomarkers. Uh, this book is actually based on the research with, which was made over over the last several years by Aging Analytics Agency, which was uh, uh, actually profiling all the companies, all the scientists, all the lab laboratories who are working already now on the, on the matter of uh, you know development of not even biomarkers but entire panels of biomarkers. More of it, there are five companies which uh, already emerged to such extent that they're actually working on so-called digital avatars. So it's like a very robust, very sophisticated uh, combination of multiple biomarkers, uh, you know, several sets of panels of different uh, types of biomarkers integrated into what could be named as digital avatar. Uh, you know, there is combined into one specific storage, uh, in many cases, even in real time, or at least close to real time, at least, let's say, with high frequency updating of uh, different uh, tests and uh, different, you know, uh, let's say, healthcare and life data from different devices, uh, wearables uh, from multiple uh, sources, including just smartphones, but also with, you know, different blood tests with uh, MRI scans and many, many other, um, preferably also tests and diagnostic um, systems. So the point is that there are already companies which are quite sophisticated, quite uh, matured in the, that field. There are at least 80 companies which are actually working on biomarkers, particular of aging and longevity. And there are at least five companies which are very much, uh, you know, uh, let's say, they achieved quite significant success. I would say that um, approximately two three, two, three years from now, we will have uh, very significant progress on that matter. So... This, uh, you know, company is capable to provide uh, such services, uh, really sophisticated, really advanced digital avatars for people who are actually pursuing to, you know, uh, analyze their health. Not, and not only health, but, you know, what could be named precision health. So the state of precision health, not only precision medicine, but uh, particular precision health in a very quantifiable way. So we can expect that in the next two, three years, uh, there will be... Uh, quite a lot of such uh, technologies ready on the market. They will be already on the market, plus so that they will be comparably cheap and uh, scalable, you know, and uh, uh, let's say easy usable. Most of them will be integrated with smartphones and people actually will be able in real time or close to real time to understand uh, what is beneficial for their health and for their actual longevity because, uh, you know, extension of health longevity might be a little bit different compared to uh, what is named healthcare because healthcare is applied to people who are, it's actually sick care, uh, like actual longevity and health longevity. 
this is a little bit different plus to that you know this is also should be very it is very much interconnected with uh, neurotech with you know health for brains because first of all when we are talking about health and longevity uh, we shall talk about uh, uh, longevity of brains because you know if there will be healthy body but uh, unhealthy brains it do not make sense to live longer whereas with healthy brains and even unhealthy body uh, many people actually you know uh, making quite a lot of uh, uh, interesting things uh, one of the great examples uh, St- stephen hawking right. that famous scientist of course and a great brain and a, a great model i think in many ways to base our lives on right but my point is that uh, you know with uh, quite advanced and uh, robust panels of biomarkers i think uh, there will be also uh, such technologies which will be adjusting some recommendations so it will be kind of ai doctors and doctors not about uh, healthcare but about precision uh, health in the sense like how to extend your pre- uh, state of precision health in in practice because this will very much depend on multiple factors starting with your own personal genetics uh, with your different predispositions and then it will very much depend where you living exactly because if you are living in a big city you are exposed to very significant uh, you know negative uh, impacts of uh, uh, because of pollution first of all uh, heavy metals different chemicals uh, then uh, many others including you know uh, like uh, air and uh, it may be also electromagnetic pollution and many other factors. So just going back to your earlier point, what you're talking about, and maybe just phrasing this in, in a different way, you're, you're envisaging in terms of personalized health, essentially a computer-generated model or avatar that is very unique. We're using this model to frame our own current health and perhaps the journey forward. Yes, exactly. So uh, apparently there will be evolution of such technologies. So now we can consider that the most, uh, as for 2021, the most advanced uh, technologies on on this matter, they're not yet uh, digital avatars. So it's something, you know, close to that. Uh, At least five companies are really working on that. I would assume that uh, probably they will achieve this uh, state of digital avatar in a year from now. But maybe it will be not yet so much personalized in two, three years from now the most advanced companies, they will be able to actually deliver very personalized avatars. Uh, what does it mean avatars? When panels of biomarkers will be adjusted towards particular your particular your body, and not even just your body, but your body in real time. Plus to that, then on the next stage, they will be even adjusted towards the environment where you're living. In the sense that if you are in New York, and for example, today, so there will be one uh, set of recommendations, but if you let's say, move to Miami, uh, there will be some adjustment. If you will go from Miami, let's say, somewhere to Singapore, whereas the, uh, you know, temperature, humidity, uh, sun activity, radiation, so on and so forth, will be very different. Plus to that, uh, you know, type of the food is different. Again, uh, there will be, uh, you'll be provided with some additional adjustments. Now, if, uh, you know, if uh, there are some fluctuations in your particular, you know, let's say, health, Again, there should be some adjustment. And this uh, should be in ideal uh, case scenario, it will be real time. So whatever, whenever you are taking any kind of pill or drug or, uh, for example, any kind of uh, fluctuations in, in diet, uh, next day you will provide you with some, you know, adjustments and uh, how you can adjust, uh, you shall adjust uh, maybe dosages or particular, you know, types of uh, 
those pills, uh, protectors, uh, some kind of anti-aging drugs and so on. Just in closing, Dimitri, I'm curious, based on your knowledge of longevity and, and health span and those interventions that we can all make to improve our lives, can you give me a snapshot of, of your life, of how you live every day with your own uh, health span, your own longevity in mind? Well, uh, quite an interesting question. So let's say I'm uh, living, uh, first of all, I'm 40, 45 years old. I'm uh, living uh, in an extremely proactive way in the sense that I'm working a lot. So I'm a workaholic. I don't have literally, you know, weekends. Uh, my vacations are quite limited. By the way, probably maybe this is one of the reasons why actually I'm uh, also quite, you know, how to say, my immune system is boosted just, just because I have a quite clear, you know, uh, mission in my life. Uh, on the other hand, of course, because I'm having... Uh, direct access to the best uh, experts in longevity, in uh, aging research, in, you know, to the best uh, um, doctors who, who actually involved into, um, you know, dealing um, with the matters of uh, extension of healthy period of life. So that's why I have, uh, let's say, quite um, good understanding what to do and what not to do and what uh, particular technology to apply to my own body. But uh, probably to put it simple, first of all, I'm focusing on the technologies uh, which are used for you know, people um, who, let's say, uh, existing in extreme environments. For example, such as astronauts, so this is coming from space medicine, such as alpinists, because alpinists, you know, they, they need to prepare their body to extreme uh, environments, to extreme challenges. Um, uh, some of those technologies are also used by, you know, professional sportsmen. So it's uh, it's not about that I'm doing extreme sport trainings, but uh, the point is that I'm using some relevant technologies which they are using uh, because to achieve extra results in sport, uh, in some cases, if you are using the same technology, but with some limited, with some adjusted uh, uh, regime, you can actually achieve quite significant positive results in terms of uh, health longevity. Is there something that you do that everyone could do, we could do for free, that perhaps you could say, well, you know, it's it's easy to do, it just involves a, a time commitment of a, a few minutes a day that would perhaps enhance your health span? I would recommend walk every day, 10,000 uh, steps. The only difference, uh, please try to find on YouTube, uh, you know, some video tutorials how to walk right, because most of the people, they actually do not have right walking technique. And uh, walking, it's definitely very, very positive. It's, uh, as you can understand, this, uh, this could be used by any person. The, the results, uh, there are kind of millions of, you know, evidence that it's uh, positive. Just improve uh, walking technique. There are some tutorials, how, like uh, video tutorials, how, how to walk right, because uh, this is also quite important. I can certainly concur with that. Dimitri, we could go on for a long time exploring all of these fascinating issues. Really good to meet you, to talk to you. All the best with the new book. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. It was my great pleasure. Yeah, a pleasure for me too. And if you'd like to delve deeper into Dimitri's work, I'll put some of the details into the show notes for this episode. You'll find them at the Live Long and Master Aging website, lamapodcast.com. That's double L-A-M-A podcast.com. You'll also find us at all of the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, Audible, to name but a few. Llama is a Healthspan Media production. Thank you very much for listening and do take care.
Flexbeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Rud. Whenever you put the Flexbeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibers that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. Flexbeam, I keep it with me all the time. Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a Flexbeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A. You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.